0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Wash and Fluff Laundromat. When you've written witty dialogue and don't know where to set it, think the Wash and Fluff.
1: Under the out with the the bones, ancient goblers and wallows. Come at the grand light making a slam, the smell of death is on all around. Not when the cold wind
0: blows, no one cares, knows. Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a birthday week on Pod Cemetery in celebration of my birthday, Kelsey's birthday is next week. <laughs> We're covering birthday horror movies Yes, with... 1981's Madhouse, and 2008's Red Velvet. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
2: Horror trivia. Give
0: me what you got.
2: What are the names of the two priests that perform the exorcism on Reagan in The Exorcist?
1: Uh.
0: <laughs> I knew you'd have trouble with it. Yeah, um... <laughs> It's it's worse because I am so bad with names, like incredibly bad with names. There's Father.
2: <laughs> he yells out both of their names. I guess she does.
0: I can't think of them.
2: Father Karis and Father Marin.
0: Karis is the one that I should have gotten. Marin, I'm not surprised I didn't know. Uh, it's a bummer. Well, I got an easy one for you, Kelsey. Both of my questions are birthday-related. Okay. In The Omen, what happens to Damien's first nanny at his fifth birthday party? She hangs herself. That is correct. Yeah. Damn it, so much easier. (laughs) I'm sure the the name question would have been really easy to a normal individual (laughs) who doesn't have a terrible time with names. All right, well, let's get right into it with our first birthday movie, 1981's Madhouse, written by, Jesus, Peter Shepard, Roberto Gandis, Stephen Blakely, and Ovidio G. Asenitis. I guess is his name. IMDb says he was credited as Oliver Hellman, which I guess is a more, like, westernized name than what I imagine is Greek, Ovidio G. Asenitis. But watching the movie, he was credited as a Video G asinitis, so I don't know what they're talking about here. Maybe in the original theatrical release it was different and they changed it for the home release. I don't know. Uh, We'll get to it because they even changed the name for the home release, so maybe they took that opportunity. Uh, It is also directed by a Video G asinitis, starring Patricia Mickey, Michael McRae, and Dennis Robertson. Its original title was, in fact, There Was a Little Girl which is the name of a poem that is recited in this movie. Apparently, Asinaitis fired the original director after they already started filming and just took over directing duties himself because he produced it. He like did everything about this movie.
2: He wrote it, too?
0: Well, he's one of the four credited writers, yeah. Oh, okay. What is Madhouse about?
2: A woman's twin sister... Runs away from a hospital because I'm not gonna say she escapes because this is not a mental hospital. There are she's lots just of just like a normal
0: ass hospital. There yeah. are lots
2: of things that will try to tell you that she's in a mental hospital because the movie's called Madhouse. She's not. She's in a regular old hospital. Yeah. She leaves and decides to kill people in her sister's life because she doesn't like her sister. That's that's the movie. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think the madhouse is supposed to refer to the
2: The funeral
0: home, the actual house that our main character lives in.
2: But if you look it up, everybody thinks that she's in a mental asylum.
0: I mean, she might be required to stay there for mental problems, (laughs) like she's been sectioned or something, but... I don't know. She has a disease. She <laughs> well, she has a mental issue where she's been hospitalized for a very long time, but she also has a physical issue.
2: But, like, nobody else thinks that her sister's crazy, so it's right. not a That's mental a asylum. <laughs> That's a
0: good point. Well, the one person we're supposed, to, whose advice we're supposed to take maybe doesn't give well, the best her advice. husband, too. Yeah. Well, the movie is available with a subscription on Canopy and Shudder. You can rent it for $2 on Amazon and $4 on iTunes and buy it for $10 on both of those same services. Should people watch Madhouse?
2: Just watch Happy Birthday to Me.
0: Yeah. I mean, this wasn't bad, but there is a better movie that came out shortly after this one, which is very similar in a lot of ways. And it's better. Like,
2: this movie is not bad. No. To be perfectly frank. In fact, it's got some weird little things in it that make it r- kind of very creepy.
0: Like, there were moments where I had to sit up and be like, what?
2: <laughs> yeah, there there are some genuinely creepy and weird shit in this movie. But at the end of the day, I'd rather watch Happy Birthday to
0: Me. Probably, yeah. So I guess that's a good test. If you watched Happy Birthday to Me with us and you liked it... This is a slightly slightly worse version
1: mm-hmm. than
0: that one. You may like this one as well, but don't expect it to be better than that. No. If you did not like Happy Birthday to Me, then don't watch this one.
2: No, do not watch yeah. this.
0: <laughs> anyway, you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back we will talk about 1981's Madhouse.
1: Mary. Uh, Please, help me get out of here. We can start over the two of us. Our party is just beginning. <laughs> you can't leave yet. <laughs> you're not still afraid of her after all these years? The stories you used to tell. They were not stories. And you're afraid. What of? On our birthday, she had have a special ceremony. Soon it will be our birthday again. Remember? Remember how we used to celebrate, sister dear? No. (laughs) Remember what I did? How it hurt? I will make it hurt again. I'll make you suffer what (laughs) I've suffered. You'll never get away from me.
0: Good boy. Thursday, November 6th, five days before Julia's birthday. It's how this movie begins. Yeah, we get a title card every day. Every single day. Although we <laughs> skip a day. We skip Saturday, I think, right? I don't know. I, I think didn't we write skip them Saturday. down.
2: I was like, this is so dumb. I'm not writing this down. I wrote <laughs> down every
0: single one.
2: I literally when I saw that, I was like, oh no, they're gonna do that every day. And then <laughs> they, they did.
0: Do. <laughs> so how does this movie begin after this title card, Kelsey?
2: It is an interesting opening. We see two girls. And
0: this is Oh, I guess this is before the title card, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is meant this is intentionally done to be confusing. And I will give it this. It is, and it does kind of set you down the wrong path. Yeah. You very quickly realize that it set you down the wrong path, but then you're like, so what path is it going to take? So so in a way, this intro, as weird as it seems, I assure you by the end of the film, it will make sense. Yeah, there was one
0: revelation that I had uh-huh. at the end that I was like, oh, that's why they did that. Yes. Okay.
2: And I appreciated <laughs> that. Like, I was like, damn, you made me think of the beginning of the film
0: again. Uh-huh.
2: That's nuts, because yeah, I usually don't. don't. I I forget. (laughs) We hear a man singing Rockabye Baby, and there are two girls. And one girl almost looks like she's already out of it, the way she's sitting in this rocking chair. And the other one is rocking it. And it seems a little surreal, a little strange, but like innocent until... The girl suddenly turns on the girl sitting in the chair, and suddenly she has a rock in her hand and she just starts bashing in this girl's face.
0: Now, they're not shying away from the fact that this is not a real person, but yes. I
2: don't know that I would say that they're not shying away. I think it's just that they didn't have any money. (laughs) Right. I
0: mean, but the camera is not like cutting away to try to disguise the fact that this is a prop. Right. But it's, like, they just focus on the fact that this girl is just smashing this woman's face in, or this other girl's face in.
2: Yes. Once she's done, they pull away, and then it's a real girl sitting there with her face, like, yeah, with, uh-huh. the, with all the makeup on. So I think they really did want you to think it was
0: a uh-huh. person. Right.
2: <laughs> okay, so yeah, then we get that stupid title card. Then we meet Julia, and Julia is just perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. She is an incredible teacher who loves her children more than herself.
0: She teaches special needs yeah, children. She, she
2: teaches deaf children. Have, yeah,
0: like they're deaf or they have speech um, issues. She teaches in sign language.
2: They leave her little notes about their lives uh-huh. because they think she's just an angel. In which particular, she is. it's
0: Sasha who is like her favorite student.
2: We find out she's talking to a co-worker who, by the way, is eating a donut. And this perfect angel comes in. She's like, I guess you're not counting calories.
0: <laughs> like, Whoa! Jesus. Also, it's it's like this sexy blonde woman <laughs> the a friend. It's like, lay off. <laughs> but
2: so um, she's talking to her and she explains that her uncle has convinced her that she should visit her sister. But she also explains that it's taken her seven years to get rid of the bond that her and her sister had. And you might be wondering, why then are you going to go see your sister? Well, you find out really quick because her uncle is a priest and uses his religious guilt on his Uh niece all the time. And you'll never understand why. And I mean that. I mean that by the end of the film, Uh you still won't know why he's like this. (laughs) But so he meets her at the hospital where her twin sister is. And like I said, nobody else thinks that her sister's crazy. Everyone just knows that her sister is horribly diseased. And the movie makes no attempt to tell you what the fuck the disease is. No,
0: not at all. The the priest at one point, though, however, this is, I love this, says, there's no scientific explanation, (laughs) but and then proceeds to give a scientific explanation as to what's happening to this woman. But again, no names or anything like that.
1: Right. There's no scientific explanation. But it seems a virus has been spreading on her for the last year. The neurofibromatosis has deformed her features, and the sclerosis causes massive skin eruptions. It could be fatal.
2: It's a made-up disease so that they... Could have a different actress.
0: They're supposed to be twins. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And she's a different actress. So the disease guys fucks with her face. Yeah. So you might be like, hmm, are they suggesting that the sister... Really damaged her face? Uh-huh. No, not no, at no, all. No, no, no. Not, not at all. It's literally just a disease that's destroying her face so they can have a different actress. And you're just like, why?
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> they weren't they weren't a refined enough production to be able to cast the same woman in both roles. Yes. Or hire specifically twins. Yep. So instead they hire two different women and then say that this one has some sort of disfiguring disease.
2: Yes. So... When she meets her uncle, she's describing the fact that she's not happy to be there. And he goes, oh, you and the stories you used to tell. And she goes, they weren't stories. And you're sitting there and you're just like, wait a minute. She told people? Yeah. And just nobody believed her?
0: Yeah, it's things like (laughs) she had a dog that she would sick on me. And I would have bite marks on my arms and nobody believed me. Yeah. And... She says at one point, I don't know if it's to her boyfriend or to the priest, she says- It's to it's, her boyfriend. It's almost as if I were doing it to myself.
2: Yes, which, which might lead you down the path of maybe there is. Maybe route. she was. maybe
0: She's the- actually the crazy one. And
2: Oh, I was <laughs> I went down the path of maybe there is no twin sister. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But no, there nope, certainly no, no, no. is. There
0: aren't any twists that in that vein here in this movie. None of them.
2: There is a twist that you won't see coming. Yeah,
0: but no, that's okay. That's <laughs> not the point. But it's a good one. There's no twists about the sisters.
2: Right. The sisters are exactly what they show you. Yeah. <laughs> her uncle tells her, your sister has missed you. She keeps trying to leave. Um, please go in there alone and see your sister. Yeah. And spend time with her. Well, we all get a taste of the twin right away. She goes in. First of all, there's like this long scene of her walking oh, by. Yeah. And you're just like. What's going on? She's in
0: this giant room with multiple beds, and it's pitch black dark almost, and she's looking for her sister and calling out to her, and it's like, what kind of hospital is this?
2: (laughs) Well, we all know at this point that no hospital in a horror movie makes any sense. Yes, uh
0: uh-huh. Remember (laughs) X-Ray? It's been
2: a while, guys. It's been a while since we've been inside a hospital setting, but every single time, it is the most bizarre Like, just, have you ever been to a hospital? I don't think you have. (laughs) All right. But so they're obviously trying to set a tone here, but it's just stupid. Yeah. So she goes down and as soon as she starts talking to her sister, she's just like, makes you sick, doesn't it? Remember how we used to celebrate our birthday? You'd hide, but I'd find you anyway. Remember how it hurt? I'll make you suffer like I've suffered. Just like when we were kids. soon it will be our birthday again. Remember?
1: Remember how we used to celebrate, sister dear? No. (laughs) Remember how you'd hide from me? But I'd bind you anyway. Remember? Remember what i do? How it hurt? Well, I will make it hurt again. I'll make you suffer what I've suffered yet! (laughs) Run! But you'll never get away from me.
2: (laughs) Run! Run! And then she runs out crying Julia does to her uncle
0: he's like what's what's going on what's wrong let's see I told you <laughs>
2: she's just sobbing uh-huh. and he's just holding like oh shh
0: oh shh stop making stuff up Julia yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> and as this is happening and I wrote and I'm so glad I wrote this down because it becomes important later some random ass security guard walks by stops turns and And stares at these two people. The woman is crying. The uncle kind of notices and, like, kind of turns her away from the security uh guard. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's going to come up later. It will, yeah. (laughs) And then the guy will just walk away. Yep. So, she goes to see her 70s ass boyfriend.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Michael McRae playing Sam.
2: It's like the '70s just vomited up this man.
0: Totally, man! This mustache and
2: sunglasses and hair and clothing—he
0: is like this dad-ass dad.
2: <laughs> but he's also an awesome boyfriend. He is
0: incredible.
2: You are going to love him. He is like the
0: perfect boyfriend.
2: <laughs> and you're j- and and you might be thinking he's not perfect. He's just a boyfriend. She's the one that doesn't want to get married, guys. Keith yeah. <laughs> on says, let's have kids, and she's like, Psh, oh, you.
0: Yeah. They talk about maybe adopting her favorite student, Sasha. Yeah. Like, he's totally into this relationship and her. Yeah. Yes.
2: Also, she's supposed to be 25. Okay. She ain't 25. <laughs> okay.
0: You're right. At one point in the movie... I have this written down. It's pretty far in. I wrote, I'm sorry, she's supposed to be 25.
2: <laughs> At the
0: time of this filming, she was 31. Well. She was younger than you. Well.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that, but she's older than 25, people. <laughs> so she's explaining to her boyfriend, Sam, about her sister and how she frightens her she describes her as being a mistress and her being her slave. She describes the dog and how the dog could would do whatever she told it to do. And basically she explains that her sister hated her and that she she was mad because she had to share her birthday with her twin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the That's po- the only
0: explanation we get, by the way.
2: That is the only one. But guys. We're kind of led to believe that uh, mental problems run in the family. Yeah. She also explains that, yes, she would have the dog. She would sick the dog on her. She would burn her. Mm-hmm. And she would put needles in her until she bled. And then Sam's question is, did you tell anybody or resist? And she says, I was completely under her power. Okay. You don't have to, you don't have to convince me that a kid, a child can be easily manipulated. Yeah. You don't need to convince me of that. But those things on her, like, how did nobody else notice them? Now, now, I am aware, of course, of horrific child abuse that gets Mm. ignored.
0: It would have been like, what, the 60s at the time?
2: Right. But that's Child abuse from the parent to the child. Yeah. Uh-huh. If the parent's not abusing the children,
1: uh-huh. I'm Why pretty sure the parents yes. would notice uh-huh. that their child
2: is being hurt in yeah. some way. Then we get to see her house and we get this weird note explaining that the house is like being remodeled.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's it's kind of just to set it up so that they can do certain things.
0: Yeah, so, okay, so this house, we'll find out later, is an old famous funeral home that was left to the owner now, and she sublets individual spaces in this house, and she lives up in the attic apartment. And there's a Mr. Kimura, who is the superintendent who we will meet, which, oh man, like, just your stereotypical... Seems like he is putting on this like really thick, stereotypical Asian accent. Can't say for certain if that's the case. Maybe he's just a bad actor, but it seems that way. It's like, oh, man.
2: (laughs) Yes, it did sound similar.
0: To Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. But, of course, they did actually cast an Asian actor, so there's at least that. But he's the superintendent of this building, and he's doing construction on it. It, We're we're introduced to the fact that there will be construction. There'll be areas of this house that are unused and that people don't usually go to. There will be multiple ways to get to places within the house. And that it's owned by this really weird woman who writes poems to tell you these things. (laughs)
2: We also get to see her kitty. Now her, oh yes, her kitty will become important. Yes. Never mind. We also get to see her kitty who's super cute. Yes. And also because she lives in this condition, when the lights go all funky, she's just like, must be Mr. Kimura. Yeah. Messing with the lights again. Yeah. Don't need to be concerned about anything.
0: (laughs) She gets on Mr. Kimura's case because... He goes through her apartment to get to the basement, when he could just use the outside entrance, which is down some steep stairs. You'd think they'd do something with these stairs? No, this is just an opportunity to introduce you to the fact that you can get to the basement in multiple ways. And the fact that he is doing the work on the apartment complex. So she tells
2: him, don't use my door. And he says... Well, what do you want me to do? The other door's broken. And she's just like, then fix that door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because of that that he's like, what do, you, what do you think? There's a ghost or something? Yeah. And she's just like, it's not the dead that scare me. It's the living.
0: Uh-huh. No ghosts in this movie. Don't worry.
2: Then we will get a heavy breathing phone call. But it's weird because they play that heavy breathing phone call. While showing us that she's escaping her sister. She's running out of the hospital.
0: Which, if you're watching it for the first time, you might be going, that's weird. In retrospect, it makes a little bit of sense.
2: Oh. yeah! This
0: movie's a little bit clever.
2: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They did little things. That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. But can you explain the next thing that happens?
0: That a Rottweiler makes a baby noise? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote down. I was like, wait, was the Rottweiler making the baby noises? Mm -hmm. The security guard in the hospital. Who we saw earlier. earlier, (laughs) Hears the sound of a baby. And when he goes looking for it, he finds a Rottweiler. And that's when I wrote that note down. I'm like, what is happening
2: here? Now, we get confirmation that the sister is there because the sister then pulls up in the car and opens the door up for the dog to get in. Yeah. I guess it's possible that the sister was making baby noises? I guess. That's like the only thing that like, what?
0: (laughs) What nightmare movie was it where the Dog has a baby face. Dogs have baby faces. Something like that.
2: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: I think they might have cut it out and then it's in the special edition or something like that. Yeah, it's one of the nightmare movies. I'll post it on Twitter. Just pay attention. I think it's one of the nightmare movies. It might be something else. But like dogs making baby noises is it didn't originate with this movie. It's been in other things, too. and I don't know why that's the case. We've seen that on this show sometime.
2: This is what I wrote. The hand puppet took off his hand.
0: Oh yes, yeah. so the <laughs> the dog attacking the guard is very obviously a fake dog head. I say very obviously, but it's pretty good. It's pretty well, good. Well, it's
2: very obvious that it's not doing any damage. Right. Yes. That is incredibly obvious.
0: They they get like the dog attacks though like
2: well, they have they have an actual person who trained uh-huh. the dog, and the dog is attacking him.
0: And it'll do it'll attack people in this movie, and it'll be like, wow, that that's a real actor, or at least a stunt person who's letting that dog open its mouth around their throat. Like that's pretty intense. And then when they do the close-ups, it's, it's a, a fake hand puppet. Hand puppet, yes.
2: And you see a hand puppet take off a hand, yes, because <laughs> it
0: bites the guard's hand off. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: And then it rips out his throat. Yeah. There's a lot of blood, but there ain't no There's gore. no
0: markings, there's <laughs> no gore, no nothing, just blood, yeah. That'll happen a couple times.
2: The very next day... Uh,
0: Friday, November 7th, four days before Julia's birthday.
2: She is informed that her sister has left the hospital. So, now she's got that to deal with, Okay. Meanwhile, her boyfriend, who was going to take time off to spend with her for her birthday, gets told that no, actually, he has to go to San Francisco for her birthday.
0: And give a presentation of some sort.
2: And you might be thinking, "What an asshole!" But you find out he's going to take her with him.
0: Yes. <gasps> ah! like, Great. Yeah. No, come with me on this business trip. S- I really want you. I really want to be with you on your birthday. It's so cute. I know. Then we get a
2: weird scene of Mr. Kimura just being yelled at and mistreated by some random person. <laughs> I guess she's the producer of the product. We don't know what that product is. Is it salt? Is it flour? I don't know. It's this big bag of white stuff. It is oh, on, yeah. And we the never woman, find out who that is. No, we never find out who that is.
0: I forgot about that.
2: And she like yells at him and is rude to him and like, and he yells back shit. at her. Yeah. And, yeah. And then she leaves.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. We never see her again.
2: <laughs> but when he goes downstairs, a Rottweiler is waiting for him. Same
0: Rottweiler.
2: And he's trying to slowly back away. And it
0: does this thing with the cinematography. Ugh. Oh, so it's, it's, it's filming him from the side as he's backing down a hallway. And as he backs down the hallway... The the hallway that, that meets the one he's in at a 90 degree angle, headed towards the background, right, starts to come into view. And you're like, oh, something's gonna appear in that door down that hallway, and he's not gonna see it, and we're gonna know it's happening. And oh man. And so he's still looking down the first hallway that he backed down at this dog, and then from the bottom of the screen. Uh-huh. Pops up Julia's sister <laughs> with a knife. It was shocking. It was. I was absolutely not prepared for that. <laughs> I was for sure something was going to be coming from down the end of that hallway. It, it, I, I was very impressed. I wrote down, "Jesus Christ!"
2: Oh yeah, Chris was like not happy that I didn't have the reaction that he did. He was like, <laughs> "Did you see that?" I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "No, did you see what happened?" Because I, I was,
0: thought like, you weren't looking at the screen. You <laughs> just like, knew We got killed.
2: He's like, "No, I saw it. It was good. It, it was like you really liked it.
0: I really genuinely did.
2: <laughs> I mean, I thought it was
0: good. But it's I, a, it was a little goofy, but it was like terrifying in its goofiness. Yes." I, Awesome. I liked it.
2: And then she says, you'll be another guest at our party. So you're understanding that she is putting together people for the party.
0: Happy birthday to me.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, Mm. Uh-huh. But I looked it up This movie came out before
0: Happy yeah, Birthday to Me just by a couple of months, right?
2: Right, just by a few months So there's absolutely no way either stole it from each other Yeah But it was surprising uh-huh. I, I would have guessed that Happy Birthday to Me came out early 81 And this came out late 81 But no
0: Other way around Mm-hmm.
2: Then we get a scene with Sam dropping Julia off at her apartment and he's really sweet. He loves her. He asks her about her work. Uh-huh. How's your day going? How's Sasha? Yep. Like, he remembers little details about her life,
1: uh-huh. which
2: seems like such small shit. But, guys, it's a big fucking deal, especially for 1981. And it was just so sweet. And he's the one that's like, do you want to have kids? And uh-huh. she's just like, Psh, I'm not ready for that.
0: Yeah. I'm only 25.
2: (laughs) And then I wrote down, oh my God, she's literally waiting for him to walk around and open the door. Chris barely does this for me, but when he does, he has to tell me to wait. Yeah. Because it is an absurd thing to me. Yeah. It is an absurd thing. For you to just sit in the
0: car and wait for the guy to get out. Like, yeah, that's, that is pretty absurd.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. So he's kissing her goodnight. And he notices that her light is on. But she thinks it's Kimura. Must be Mr. Kimura. hmm But, like, come on. It's 1981, and you waited for your fucking boyfriend to open the door. Why wouldn't you say, won't you walk yeah. me up to my room come with just me. in case? Yeah, you're
0: already out of the car. <laughs> you're walking me to the door. You might as well walk me up to my apartment.
2: Yes. But he doesn't. But it doesn't matter at all, because remember, everybody... She only hates her on her birthday.
0: Yeah, uh huh. Nothing's gonna happen till her birthday. So we we have so fucking dumb four days <laughs> till her birthday. Like
2: guys, like there's so many cool, fun things about this, and it's just like she won't hurt her till it's her birthday. Uh-huh. What the fucking why? <laughs> there's a countdown
0: in the movie. <laughs> then we get a sermon. Okay, uh Sunday, November 9th. Two days before Julia's birthday. We skipped Saturday.
2: And Chris and I were sitting there like, well, this is a long dream sequence.
0: (laughs) It's her Uncle James giving a sermon and talking directly to her about how valuable family connections are. (laughs) And how, you know, we should really pay attention and embrace our sisters. Or brothers or cousins or fathers or, you know, (laughs) like it's one of those sorts of things like where he's very obviously talking to her. And you're like, this is very specific. Is she just dreaming? No, no, no. This is really happening. And she has Sasha in the church with she took her student to church.
2: Yeah, it's weird. No, don't don't do that. Do not take (laughs) your students anywhere. So when she gets home, she finds a note from her landlady. And we get to meet your landlady, who is this hippie lady? I wrote
0: her landlady is
2: kooky, <laughs> yeah. and she explains that she senses bad vibes, but that she feels a male
0: sense around uh-huh. her. I was, I was thinking, oh god, is this another gender thing? Like with sleepaway camp? Like is that what we're going to get to? Oh, no, no, no! There are no twists involving the sister. I guarantee you.
2: That's not at all what I thought.
0: That's that is what I thought.
2: I thought we were just supposed to think she's she's nuts.
0: Yeah, and she's wrong. Yes, <laughs> yes. uh-huh.
2: The movie, I gotta say, does a very good job of giving you so many hints. Yes, and you just don't pick up on them. Yeah, uh-huh. like. It's kind of impressive. I would not
0: be surprised if, if if people in the audience, if you're seeing this movie for the first time, and you get every single one of the hints. And you're like, oh, no, I knew it. It was totally obvious. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm also not impressed. <laughs> well,
2: like, I'm pretty impressed with the film.
0: Uh, exactly. That's Usually what
2: I'm I pick, I guess things really yeah. early on.
0: Yeah. And you have a theory for it. And yeah, uh-huh. But-
2: <laughs> I nope. didn't get this at all. Nope. I mean like, okay. I picked up on like the sermon and I was like, "Why did that happen?" But I figured he just was a nutso about family.
0: Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, she's talking to her landlady. Now again, her landlady is a little nutso. But she full on walks out on her landlady in the uh-huh. middle of a story. Luckily, her landlady doesn't give a shit. She's just like, oh, oh, well. Uh-huh. But like, damn. like, I'm used to that. <laughs> I, I just, I can't do that to people. People can talk. I've, I have friends, and I'm pretty fucking sure the reason that we've stuck together for as long as we have is because I'm the type of person that just sits there and you and can talk listen. to me. Yeah,
0: uh-huh.
2: I'm not going to interrupt you. So if you're the type of person who wants to keep talking, I'll just sit yeah. there.
0: <laughs> I am not that person. If I give you every signal that I'm about to walk away, the one I will not give you is, hey, stop talking. I'm leaving. I will say, (laughs) well, anyway, (laughs) I will turn and walk away and look back and like re-engage, like giving them the hint that like your talking has stopped me from doing what I want to do, which is leave. Like, I will give every single one of those indications. I just won't say. Stop talking. I've I've been in situations where, well, I've got to go, I've said. And then they keep talking. Like, they don't even acknowledge that I've said that. And I I just go, nope, I'm just walking away. And if you're still talking, that's your problem.
2: (laughs) I've only had one friend in my entire life who was like that, that bad. Uh And it was in high school. And he would, he, like, I had never experienced this where I would be like, no, I have to go, David. And he would not stop talking. I would hang up on him, and he would and he would stop. just
0: continue the story. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> and she'll get scared because she'll hear a dog. Uh huh. But again, it's not her birthday.
0: No, I think she even sees the dog at one point here. Right?
2: I think she just hears it.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Either way, but she knows there's it a dog matter Yes, because uh-huh. it ain't her birthday, yes. and ain't nothing gonna happen to Julia till it's her birthday. Oh my god, then we get a really sad scene? In the park? Well, yeah, and it's going to lead to an even sadder scene, where I'm like, why was this necessary film?
0: Next day, Monday, November 10th, one day before Julia's birthday.
2: If you ever thought that deaf children were off the killing table,
0: you were wrong. Okay, well, at least they do one concession here. Okay, first of all, we have Sasha... Alone in a park. Alone in a park, I just have to say. Then a dog comes up to him <laughs> and he throws a frisbee. He's like, Oh, a dog? Well, here, catch this frisbee. Did he just have a frisbee? I don't know. Alone in the park? Why is there a random ass dog? I, yeah, that's never explained either. <laughs> And he throws a Frisbee, and he goes behind these bushes, and the dog disappears, and then you hear, like, a, and then the dog runs off. And you're like, He's like, what the heck? And he goes to get the Frisbee, and then we see there's a Rottweiler behind the bushes. And I I wrote down, did they pin that dog's lips like that? Because it sounds like it's 80-yard growling, and it's just this permanent growl face on the, on the dog. I'm like either they trained that dog really well and that's a very talented dog or they actually pinned its lips apart like this to show its mouth like i don't know
2: i will admit it does look weird yeah i like you don't see
0: the growling in its eyes you know I, what i mean yeah
2: exactly i don't want to accept that that's what they did
0: you could you could it's feasible that you could train a dog to do this and i would believe it
2: yes because here's the thing we know we know that you can train dogs to growl and to pre- present a growling face, uh-huh. but their tail will wag. Yeah. Right? We all know that they do that. So, I mean, it's possible that this dog has been trained, hey, snarl, and he yeah. snarls, but he's not really feeling it.
0: But there was just something off-putting about it, this It
2: one. looked weird.
0: Yeah. I anyway, just don't want
2: to think that they did that to a dog. And
0: then we get a worried look on Sasha's face, and then a cut with a time jump, To a big commotion And a Paramedics van and a body Being loaded into the paramedics van With a sheet over the top of it They killed this kid in the cut
2: With crying parents, Yes, by the way
0: Yes, so maybe that's why he had the frisbee (laughs) He was playing with his parents Or something, I don't know
2: Of course, Julia finds out about this And (laughs) Okay, yes, she's sad that The kid's dead, but the first thing She says is, I heard a In my apartment last night Uh
0: She says that She's talking to James Her (laughs) uncle right I don't know A priest Because I wrote down Why do you keep going to your uncle What an asshole
2: Yes (laughs) Oh yes Uh, This is when she's talking to both her boyfriend And her uncle They're both there Because I wrote Condescending assholes Because neither of them believe her
0: Well they're trying to come up with They're trying to reassure her And come up with reasons why she might be mistaken Which is condescending as hell
2: well, the uncle just straight up doesn't fucking believe her. Uh huh. The uncle just says, I think she feels guilt. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, I wrote, what a fucking asshole.
2: Yes. And then he even has the gall to say, and at this point, like I said, I had written down that the boyfriend was also being a condescending asshole, but then the uncle goes so far as to say it's completely irrational what you're going through. Yeah. And the boyfriend's like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. (laughs) Don't talk to my girl that way. This, something is happening, dickhead. Yeah. We just don't know what it is yet. And you're like, yeah, I thought you were a good boyfriend. Now- Julia will say something, again, that might make you think that there's a twist coming with the sisters, but there's not. But it's much more important than that. Because she will say... You can't understand. I feel what she feels. I know what she knows.
1: To some extent,
2: I am what she is. That's going to become important later. Uh, and you're later.
0: like, oh, oh mm-hmm. is she really halluc- no, I'm Again, no twists with the sisters. They are what they are presented as. <laughs>
2: but again, this is kind of leading somewhere cool. <laughs> okay, and then we get, oh, the, my oh, God. Just the
0: most heartbreaking scene you have ever seen in a movie.
2: Completely unnecessary ever. to the plot.
0: But it shows, oh, my God. Okay, so... If you remember, Sasha is Julia's student. It's her favorite student. And she does teach a class of these hearing impaired children. And she has to go into this class. She comes late because of what happens. There's just apparently a substitute sign language teacher, which is cool. Great that they have that resource. And she takes over the class and she has to break the news to the class that Sasha is dead.
1: Sometimes terrible things happen that we don't understand and they make us very sad. One of those things happened today. Our friend... Sasha had a bad accident and won't be with us anymore. He's dead. Yes, Todd. Sasha is dead.
0: Jesus Christ. Like, just, ugh.
2: Oh. Yeah. She has the kids all say things that they liked about him. So first of all, it's kids who are deaf and are struggling to speak in the fucking first place. Uh And then they talk about this kid and they all have like the best things to say about him. And it's just like, oh my God. And then she gets to the last little girl and the little girl can't say anything because she's crying. And oh my God, does it seem like they literally made a deaf girl cry? Uh It is way too realistic. And you're just like, why is this in the They told that
0: deaf girl that her dog died or something like that and got her to cry. Like, just, oh my god, oh it's devastating.
2: Now she can't go to the trip because her principal says it's your responsibility to be there for the students. To be there for the students, yeah. Fuck you!
0: (laughs) Maybe I need to get away. Maybe I have needs.
2: Yeah. I'm a person too, Uh dickhead.
0: (laughs) Totally. God! But she can't leave. She has to stay. Because she's just too perfect Mm. of a person. And apparently her and her boyfriend aren't, like, sleeping over at each other's places yet.
2: It's 1981, Chris. Uh
0: That would be improper. Mm -hmm. But he is very concerned about her. So he calls up her friend. And at first you're like, or he doesn't call her up. He visits her, right?
2: Well, first... He comes by to say goodbye to Julia, Uh which is where she shows him claw marks that she has found. Yes,
0: that happens.
2: And he says, promise me you'll lock your door. You'll Uh call me if anything happens. And that's when he goes and visits her friend. And you're like,
0: a little part of you is like, oh, here's where he's not perfect. He's seeing the hot blonde friend, the coworker, and uh, they're having an affair. No, no. He goes over to her and he's like, hey, how you doing? Listen, Julia's not doing so hot. She really needs somebody to be there for her. Could you do me a favor and spend the night with her tonight? It's like, oh, God, he's just so perfect.
2: (laughs) A time before cell phones when you actually had to go and see (laughs) somebody.
0: And so this friend goes over and just makes an excuse, makes it seem like it's her idea, and stays the night there.
2: But Chris... Explained it perfectly. We need another death!
0: Yeah, exactly. We just needed another person to die.
2: <laughs> it's the
0: only reason this is happening. Yes. What's the one thing, what is the one thing that Julia tells this woman not to do?
2: That's what they do in every horror What is movie. the
0: one thing she is told? What is her one responsibility?
2: Don't fall asleep.
0: Yes. But, like, you <laughs> can't reasonably expect somebody not to fall asleep. You can reasonably expect somebody to not fucking open the door.
2: Yes, agreed. But she whispered her name and giggled, and they're twins, so she sounds like her. No, she really fucking doesn't because she's a different actress, but whatever. So she thought it was her, even though she didn't see her leave her room.
0: Yeah. So, yes, she does open the door because she hears this voice, and then the cat escapes.
2: Yeah, so then she has to go back out after the cat.
0: I wrote down, you just got her cat killed because you did exactly what she told you not to do.
2: Yep. Also, she gets her... Ladies? She gets her shirt caught.
0: Trying to run away on the stairs.
2: And then she just can't get away, ladies. Yep. Isn't it amazing that we all have most incredible clothing that doesn't rip
0: easily? I thought for sure they were going to have it rip so they can show off her tits.
2: I mean, at least that would have been, you know, realistic. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's stuck there and she clearly can't rip her shirt. So the dog attacks her.
0: Yes. And this is one of those moments where it's like the dog has its mouth at her throat. The real dog. It's like, Jesus.
2: (laughs) And Chris and I both were just like, and Julia didn't wake up. And immediately the movie takes care of that. Yes. I took sleeping pills last night. Immediately.
0: The next day, Tuesday, November 11th, Julia's birthday. (laughs) She says, yeah, no, I could. I was having trouble getting to sleep. I was so, you know, messed up. I took sleeping pills and I slept through the entire night. Uh, It's because her boyfriend shows up this morning and is like, hey, what happened to, what's her face? And she's like, wait a minute. You knew she was here last night? You talked her into coming over here, didn't you? Yes, I am a perfect boyfriend.
2: <laughs>
0: but she's like, Yeah, no, I guess she left for work already.
2: And he is going to stay at Julia's house and take a nap before leaving? Yeah, he's leaving? like,
0: Yeah, I wanted to make sure I got to see you before I left, but I'm already, you know, pretty much ready. Uh, I'm not going to go home just to go to the airport again. So I'm just going to stay here. I'll take a nap and then I'll head to the airport. I got to practice my speech. What do you, I want to know what you think of it. Am I going to get a copy of that speech? Absolutely. You'll get your own copy. Actually important to the movie. Yes. That he leaves a copy at this house for her.
2: I mean, another thing this movie does well.
0: Like or, it sets things up that it pay off. really
2: tries to do yeah. well. Yeah. Is set things up and, and make every, and to tie up all loose ends. Yeah. It's not totally successful, I don't think. But it's pretty close. It's admirable, I would say. Yes, yes, you you can tell that they put the effort in. Yeah. And it's not bullshit excuses. No. You know? Like, it's not like they just gave you... I mean, okay. The sister's disease is a bullshit thing. But, like, a lot of the stuff in this, they could have very easily given us just one-dimensional reasons for Uh things. And they didn't. So then we see her at the end of the school day. And goddamn... I can't teach in
0: three-inch heels. Yeah, those heels that she's wearing.
2: Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. But before Julia can get home, her uncle is at their house. The landlady walks by and she's like, hey- Oh, you're Uncle James. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. I've heard all about you. Yada yada yada. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I don't, I hope you don't mind. I put together a birthday party for Julia. And she goes, Of course I don't mind. That's so sweet of you. And she's like, it looks like you've got a lot of stuff in there. You want my help? And he's like, That would be fabulous. Thank you so much.
0: And they carry this very large bag.
2: Oh my. God, I am an idiot.
0: This is an incredible (laughs) reveal.
2: Oh, my God. This is
0: an incredible reveal. So they're carrying this large bag, which you might think is like some sort of like.
2: No, no, you know, as soon as you see it, it's a body bag.
0: Kind of. But they're carrying this. She's carrying one side. He's carrying the other side. They carry it down the stairs into the basement and set it on the table. And she's like, at this point when they're setting it on the table, you're like. This is absolutely a body bag. And even the landlady is like, what do you got a body in there? And he goes to unzip it. And he's like, actually, yes. And there's a body in there. And he's like acting like it's totally normal. And she's like, "Um, he, no,
2: she goes, is he dead? And he goes, yeah, he's dead. And she's like, I've got to go now. <laughs> and he says, no, no, no. I can't let you do that. You've got a
0: party to go and to, and it's not like a sinister response. It's like he's like, no, you can't leave. Like that's his response. Like it's just matter of fact.
1: My, that feels just like a body in life. Oh, it is. <laughs> they say I have a weird sense of humor. Oh no, you're very perceptive. <laughs> Here he is. I met him when he was a guard at the hospital.
2: He's dead. He's dead.
1: Yes, he
2: was the friendliest fella you'd ever want
1: to meet. Oh my God, I've got to be going now. Oh no, you can't. You're invited to a party. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. My
2: horoscope says I shouldn't engage in social activities today. I it?
1: simply won't take no for an answer.
2: <laughs> he doesn't need to be sinister because everything he does after this point is sinister. Yes. He does not need to be. He will then chase her around the house. Now, okay, okay. Very Pepe
0: Le Pew sort of chasing.
2: The chase, I mean, look, they've set up that she's a weird, stupid hippie lady. Yeah. So maybe I can buy that she might not make the best decisions, especially when she's frazzled and her life is on the line. But she makes some really stupid There are stupid several moments when here. we're like,
0: because he like locks the door on her with a key so she can't get out of the basement through the outside door. And then so she needs to go up through another door, which we know is Julia's house, Julia's apartment, where we know the boyfriend is sleeping. I wrote down, everyone sleeps through everything in this house. But at least they did explain that, yes, he was intentionally taking a nap because he was preparing for his flight or whatever. But yes, it's a little unrealistic that he sleeps through this. But also neither of them know he's there. And they both think this house is completely empty, which explains why she doesn't do a lot of, like, calling out for help. And he doesn't do a lot to act silent in any way. And so things just play out very normally. And I I like that they at least thought of that. We just need to extend our disbelief to accept the fact that the boyfriend sleeps through all of it.
2: I mean, look, you've slept through me jumping on you.
0: Yes, that's true.
2: You've slept through me yelling at you. Uh Uh-huh. So,
0: I was asleep when I gave you medicine this morning. (laughs)
2: Some people can sleep through shit. I am not one of those people. You barely make a sound and I will wake up. Unless Uh I'm, like, beyond exhausted. But, like, other than that, I will wake up. So, I guess I can believe it to a certain extent. But there's one point very specifically where he... Again, guys, he's totally confident here. He knows he's going to murder her. So, like, uh-huh. he's not hes not worried. He doesn't quickly run after her. It's not uh-huh. like a, oh, my God, I need to make sure she's dead.
0: And he's, like, singing songs and things like Nursery that. Nursery rhymes, specifically.
2: Yeah. Because he thinks he has all the time in the world. And apparently he's right, because at one point he full on lets her run by. And it's like, why don't you run out the door?
0: Right. There, there is a point where in order for what happens next to make sense, she needs to be in between him and the front door and could easily escape. Why would he do that? But OK, so here's what happens. She finds an empty apartment where there's a cot and a sheet on it. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it is there and she hides underneath it. And then he secretly gets on top of it and stabs the knife through it.
2: But she escapes then. Ultimately,
0: she runs upstairs to her own apartment, locks the door, and Th- is like,
2: That's when I wrote down, wait a minute. Yeah. You just got out. Go down and stares out the
0: door. Yes, exactly. You knew he was behind you. Why would you go upstairs? But that's a classic horror movie complaint.
2: Straight out of Scream.
0: Yes. Some big-chested bimbo who goes up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. Except this is not that person. That was the blonde... Running away from the dog. Yes. But she is so exhausted and she's like relieved. She's like, oh, I'm home. There is a murderer on the other side of this door, but I'm home and I'm so relieved. And she sits down in her rocking chair. And then all of a sudden, the rocking chair starts to rock on its own. And we see that he is behind the rocking chair with his hands on it, rocking it. And he starts singing Rockabye Baby. And then he stabs her. Straight
2: out the beginning. Yes,
0: straight out of the beginning. So, yeah, that was...
2: I mean, she runs into her apartment and doesn't even phone anybody.
0: Right. But she's a hippie. She doesn't have a phone or a TV. Just a lot of plants. Does a lot she of not have a phone? From somewhere. Is that I part of the know. story? I don't know. I'm saying she's a hippie. <laughs> the uncle will continue to set up for this party after the landlady is dead. And will be in Julia's apartment. And then all of a sudden, the boyfriend comes out of nowhere and surprises him. He's like, oh, I didn't know you were here. And he's like, yeah, I was just taking a nap. I'm about to head out. Well, I'm ready anyway, even though the, the uncle at this point is being really creepy towards him. He's like, well, I got to go. And he leaves. And the uncle says something like he's really frustrated, like.
2: Nobody likes to party anymore. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Nobody likes to celebrate anymore. And then immediately the door will open back up and the, the boyfriend will come back in and be like, oh, forgot this. It's my speech. It's really important. I would have been lost without this. And he leaves, closes <laughs> the door again. It's just like a really fun moment.
2: It is pretty funny.
0: We follow the boyfriend for a while, and I'll just get this storyline out of the way. He gets in a taxi. He's rehearsing his speech. The cab will get a flat, and he'll be rehearsing his speech outside of it because he's helping the cabbie Ooh, change this the is tire. Tough.
2: This is not a good moment for the no, film. No, it's not.
0: And then... He- When he's helping the cabbie, he puts the speech on top of the car. Okay, you have a stack of papers.
2: He also has a briefcase.
0: Yes. Which he puts through the open window of the car back into the car. Into the car. Yes. But the speech he sets on top of the car. open pages. Yes. Would you ever put loose pages on top of a car under any circumstances? It is ridiculous. No. Anyway, so they all fly away. They it's all a, get trashed and dirty. It's a very
2: slapstick, like, oh, oh no. My speech. Yeah.
0: And he's like, oh, wait. I gave Julia a copy of my speech. I got to go back to the apartment and get the speech from her. So now we have a reason for him to go back to the apartment and interrupt what's going to be happening. So what happens? They didn't need to
2: do that. They could have made it so that the taxi got a flat And then Uh he missed his flight, and
0: he's like, oh, better go back to Julia's for a couple of hours. Right. He could have just done that. But this is a little bit more interesting. Like, it adds a sense of urgency to him that he immediately has to go back, and specifically there, you know? So, Julia gets there, and James is there. What happens?
2: He blindfolds her, telling her that he set up a surprise for her. Mm Mm-hmm. He brings her inside and locks the door behind them. hmm And then he kind of gives this weird speech about how death is what gives meaning to our lives. We can always count on it. And when he unblindfolds her, we see...
0: The happy birthday to me moment where it's just a bunch of dead people.
2: And a lot less impressive. Yes. And a lot less cool. Yeah. Because we didn't get cool deaths. We got a death of a fucking deaf kid.
0: Right. <laughs> so we ha- he, which, who he couldn't get because the parents did something. I don't know. The parents wouldn't let him take the body for, he he mentions.
2: Oh, I thought the kid was.
0: Sasha's not there. No.
1: Oh. I invited all our friends. But Sasha's mommy wouldn't let
0: him come. I wrote down, at least this actor is having fun.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. He
0: very much is having fun.
2: And he's creepy as shit. He really is. He's... I told you, he doesn't have to be sinister. It's the things that he does are just sinister. Uh-huh. His... Being is sinister. He's having fun. He's gleeful throughout this. Yeah. If he was, if he was like, doing a kid's show, you couldn't tell the difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The way he's acting. Uh, and that in itself is really creepy. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely wrote down, just like, happy birthday to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's somewhere in here where we get the original title of There Was a Little Girl.
2: Well, he starts to say more nursery rhymes. And
0: one of the ones he says is, There was a little girl who had a little curl
1: right in the middle of her forehead. And when she was good, she was very, very
0: good. And when she was bad, she was hard. That's There Was a Little Girl by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow.
2: And that is when the sister makes her appearance. Uh huh.
0: So here we have the two parts of this poem. There was the very, very good girl and the horrid girl. Yes.
2: Yes. The sister explains that she's mad because it's like, why me? Why not you? Why is my face being ravaged and not yours? And Julia's like,
0: yeah, that sucks, but it's not my fault.
2: Right. And to which the sister says, you can't make me well. But I can make you into me. Yeah.
1: Mary, I can't help it if I'm well and you're not. But I can. You can't make me well. But I can make you into a pretty close imitation of me. <laughs> Twins again? Twins again? <laughs>
0: And she's just like, why? Well, we get her motivation at least.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the sister literally says, why? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but But yes, we do get her motivation here, but we still don't understand. Like, there's no good reason why she's crazy other than like, I guess she's diseased, but she was crazy when she was a little girl, too. Well,
2: clearly it runs in the family. Yeah. And the uncle...
0: But there's no explanation for the uncle, like none. He has no motivation other than, I got to keep this family together.
2: Yeah, and (laughs) and it's great. He says something about, I've brought all your best friends to your party. And she goes, but you killed the ball. And he goes, why is everyone afraid of dying? (laughs) That's when the sister says, are you afraid, sister? It's so easy. We'll show you how easy it is. And that's when the uncle kills Mary?
0: Okay. The the crazy sister, not Julia. (laughs) Stabs her in the back, killing her. So his motive is a little different than Mary's. He's he's
2: just crazy. He just wants
0: to kill people now.
2: Yeah. And he's just like, see, there's nothing to it.
0: (laughs) I kind of love him as a villain.
2: Yeah. No, he's really good. And that is when... The boyfriend will show up. Yes. All he's there for is for his speech.
0: Sam shows up. But
2: he can hear James.
0: So yeah, he hears this going on downstairs, and when he starts to investigate, he gets confronted by the Rottweiler, who we see.
2: Which doesn't make any sense, because Mary's already dead.
0: Right. But apparently, James has some sort of power. I would assume James kept this Rottweiler for the seven years. (laughs) We know it's been seven years since Julia was able to separate herself from Mary when they were 18. Right? And she was able to get on with her life separate from Mary's. But Mary's had a dog that she sicked on Julia when they were kids. So this can't be the same dog. Right. It might be the same dog she had when she was 18. But I assume James was the one that had control over this dog and not necessarily Mary.
2: Over this particular dog? This
0: particular dog. Okay. Not the one from when they were kids. Okay. But the movie doesn't really get into that. So anyway, the Rottweiler chases after Sam and chases him around this house. And Sam gets in a room and closes the door behind him. And he's like, oh, and he's got his back leaning up against the door. And I have another Jesus Christ moment here. I'm like, Jesus Christ. The door, the dog's head just bursts through this door. So we
2: get a Jack Torrance yes. moment here.
0: A year after The Shining. But remember,
2: The Shining stole it first. Yes. So, bullshit.
0: But it gets worse. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, it's very obvious. It's an impressive dog puppet, but it's still very obviously a puppet with its head through this door trying to bite at him. And so, since construction is happening at this apartment complex, (laughs) Sam is able to reach over, hold the door closed, reach over to a power drill, and then fucking inserts this drill right into the dog's forehead, and this this camera does not flinch at this. No, it stays on this moment where Sam is just for a while pressing this just. Fucking up this dog's skull while it's still barking and growling and stuff like that.
2: Chris was freaking out. I couldn't stop laughing. This is the moment laughing. where I was
0: like jumping up on the bed that we were watching it in bed. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I can't believe we're seeing this right now.
2: Exactly. I was laughing out of pure shock. I was just like so,
0: <laughs> so,
2: I don't know if the word is impressed or. I don't
0: know if I was impressed or horrified or what. <laughs> it was in why aren't we talking about this moment in famous like horror movies like
2: it was something it
0: was something (laughs) i could not believe it
2: (laughs) now after this encounter sam has the best line he comes downstairs and he sees what's in front of him and the look on his face is so good he's just like what in hell's name (laughs) It's really good. What in hell's name? Imagine actually walking into that. It would be like just what? Yes. (laughs) And she yells, "Sam!" So he, I think James is behind him, and Sam just like punches him, and he falls down. Yeah, uh but he doesn't grab a weapon and just straight up kill James. Yes, he goes and he he frees. His girlfriend Julia, first. Yeah. Which I'm just like, no, 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 no. Take care of yeah, the problem uh-huh. first. Save so, her later.
0: There's a game. Here I am equating things to video games. It's a new game called Ghost of Tsushima. And there are oftentimes hostages that you have to save from the bad guys. And it will not let you save this hostage until every nearby bad guy is D.E.D. dead. <laughs> and they'll even tell you, it's not safe yet to free me. Kill this person first. Yes. It's like this movie should have taken a lesson from Ghost of Tsushima, which came out 19 years later. <laughs> no, Jesus, which came out 39 years later.
2: He doesn't even grab a weapon, guys. Okay, maybe he's against the death penalty, but he doesn't <laughs> even grab a weapon.
0: I practice nonviolence, man.
2: <laughs> he, unties, he unties her. James then gets up and almost kills Sam, but... Julia, remember, earlier told us... Holy shit. Remember, she earlier told us, to some extent, I am my sister, we are identical twins, motherfucker grabs a hatchet (laughs) and just whacks this guy's skull in.
0: Yes, and his his back, like, repeatedly, like, totally... I wrote down... Stop, stop, he's already dead.
2: <laughs> because the boyfriend... Okay, his so, reaction <laughs> is
0: priceless. <laughs> so so
2: the boyfriend, of course, is just like, oh, thank God, I was saved. But then he's
0: watching his girlfriend just... Just, like, continue to hack away at her uncle. <laughs> and he's
2: probably remembering that she did say, to some extent, I am my sister. And he's probably being like, Julia.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> down.
2: And then she drops the hatchet. And she sobbingly walks out into the into the hallway and you're thinking the movie is over, but we get one last scare. No, they go,
0: it's to go up the stairs to get out of the basement and then Mer- Mary just like pops up <laughs> and grabs her and then just like dies.
2: But says as she's dying, uh-huh. you'll never be free. Yes. Never.
0: And then just dies. Yes. And I like, oh, she just died on her own. Okay. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. You'll never be free. Never.
0: And then we get the same song we heard in the beginning, which is a man <laughs> singing rock baby, and it starts to click that that was James in the very beginning of the movie singing this song.
2: And if you haven't understood it at this point, the sister, even though in the first shot that we see, her face is perfectly fine, that was very obviously her imagining doing it to her sister, which was what she wanted to do, but she didn't get a chance because her uncle stabbed her in the back before she could.
0: (laughs) So the movie ends with another quote this time from, it's attributed to G.B. Shaw, who is George Bernard Shaw Life differs from the play only in this. It has no plot all is vague, desultory unconnected till the curtain drops with the mystery unsolved Yep which is a great quote, except it's not George Bernard Shaw. I fell down this fucking rabbit hole. I was like, well, I, I don't want to rewind it and write it down. Surely I can find it somewhere. And if you look up Life Differs from the Play, you'll get just like a bunch of shit all about this movie. Nothing about George Bernard Shaw. It'll say George Bernard Shaw, quote, madhouse. You know, used in Madhouse. But there is no source independent of this movie that says that. Near as I can tell, it's from a novel called Godolphin by Edward Bulwer-Lytton from 1833. Now, George Bernard Shaw was not born until 1856. So 23 years after this novel was published, George Bernard Shaw was born. So it's absolutely not him. The book is a satire, and the whole quote goes like this. Godolphin, who is a person, and it's literally spelled G-O-Dolphin. I looked up, how do you pronounce this? And it's Godolphin, apparently. It's not like Dauphin or something. Like <laughs> that. Godolphin sat by the writing table of the deceased, shading his brow with the hand which the actress left disengaged. So he's in the room with an actress who's holding his hand. Fanny, said he, bitterly, after a pause, the world is indeed a stage. Reference to Shakespeare. It has lost a consummate actor, though in a small part. The saying was wrung from Godolphin and was not said unkindly, though it seemed so, for he too had tears in his eyes. He's saying that this person that passed away had a small part to play in the stage that was, that is life. Ah, said she, the playhouse has indeed taught us in our youth many things which the real world could not teach us better. And then this is where the line is. Life differs from the play only in this, said Godolphin, sometime afterwards. It has no plot. All is vague, desultory, unconnected, till the curtain drops with the mystery unsolved. Those were the last words that Godolphin ever addressed to the actress. It was pretty good. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of it, never heard of this author, but it's totally misattributed to George Bernard Shaw for some weird reason. But I guess it was back when you couldn't look it up on the internet. And let me tell you, even with the internet, it was really hard to find. Anyway, this movie is included in the video nasties.
2: Well, they did kill a deaf child. Yes, (laughs) and
0: drilled a dog in the head. Yes. And hacked a man in the back repeatedly. Yes. Yeah, so.
2: Of course, the last two were evil.
0: Yeah, but still, it's, it's, it's you know, the era where it's like, these are going to corrupt our children. It was a whole thing in the UK. We've talked about video nasties in the past. Do you have anything else to say about Madhouse, Kelsey?
2: This movie was definitely fun. And this movie definitely did some interesting things. Like, I'm glad that I saw it. This is
0: another movie I'm really surprised I had never heard of before this show.
2: Yeah, but... At the end of the day, I would prefer Happy Birthday to me. It's more, It's a slasher. It's an actual slasher. Yeah. And it has more of what I'm looking for at the end of the day. But this movie is is re- really good. I mean, like, I, I'm glad I saw it.
0: So what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Audience score, 171 reviews.
2: I'm surprised it has that many. Yeah. Maybe a 60?
0: 24%.
2: Oh, my God. Yep. I thought I was maybe going a little high.
0: Damn. 24%.
2: That's really weird.
0: Right. I don't know why people dislike this movie. What's
2: the consensus? Well, there is
0: no consensus statement because that's only for the professional reviews.
2: Oh. How weird.
0: Do you think that's overrated or
2: underrated? Oh, I think it's underrated. Obviously
0: underrated. But what would you give it?
2: I'm going to give it a solid 75
0: I was going to give it a 72 before you even said anything like that. Yeah, I think this movie is really solid, like you say. It's not perfect. It has problems. <laughs> and there's another movie that does its like core concept better. Yes. But it is not bad. No. It's pretty good, actually. There's a lot I actually really enjoyed about this movie. It got me to jump up on the bed and go, holy shit, <laughs> multiple times. So, like... Really surprised I've never heard of this movie.
2: See, watching birthday horror movies is good. Yes. Well. Hey, we've seen some great ones. Yes. Oh my God. I still think about that kid's face from Bloody Birthday. And you guys aren't listening to that episode. And you should be. (laughs) That kid's face when he gets caught in the headlights. Yeah. I sometimes think about that and I just chuckle to myself. (laughs)
0: Like I was saying... Not every birthday movie is great. But before we get to our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia.
2: What Spanish found footage film centers on a reporter and her cameraman trapped in a building whose occupants show animalistic and murderous behavior?
0: That's wreck. Yes. Or quarantine if you're not talking about the Spanish version. Exactly. All right, Kelsey. In Children of the Corn, in the evening of which birthday do the children go to the Lord?
2: Oh what what age?
0: Yeah, what birthday?
2: I can't remember if it was 18 or 17.
0: Oh, do you want me to give you options? This gives you options. Sure. 18, 19, 18th, 19th, or 20th.
2: Okay, then it's 18. Because it was either 17 or 18.
0: In your mind, it's 19th.
2: I mean, admittedly, I've read the short story and I've seen both versions of the film, so maybe I'm getting it confused with all the different versions.
0: Yes, a young this is the description. This is the description of the movie. A young couple is trapped in a remote town where a dangerous religious cult of children believes that everyone over age 18 must be killed. Yeah. Which would mean your 19th birthday is the day that you're killed.
2: Oh, fuck That you. puts you over 18. <laughs> <is> so bullshit.
0: <laughs> anyway.
2: But I think it's in the short story that they decide to make it younger. Yeah. I think because... Because of what happened with them, even though they were successful and killed them in the short story, I think still, because they fucked up so much, He Who Walks Behind the Rose took away another year off their life.
0: Yeah, that was like a punishment. Mm -hmm. Does that not happen
2: in the movie? No, because in the movie they survive.
0: Yeah, so in the movie it is 19,
2: and I don't remember the made-for-TV version. I don't remember what they said. <laughs> but in the made-for-TV version, they do kill them. But Right? They kill both of them, or do they just kill him? I think they kill... No, it would have been her that they definitely killed. So the question is if they killed him.
0: Yes, you are. you are right. In the short story, it starts at 19, and then they lower the age of favor to 18. Because, and that's what leads Malachi to walk into the rose at the end of the book, or at the end of the short story.
2: Yes, and his girlfriend hates the one who walks behind she the cries. crows.
0: cries, yeah. Uh-huh. The rose.
2: And she thinks secretly that one day it'll end. And I think we're supposed to think that, like, eventually she like she would lead, like, a rebellion or something, but who knows.
0: Yeah, but it ends with the corn being pleased at its sacrifice, I guess.
2: And the corn was pleased. Anyway, I think that's the last line.
0: Let's talk about our next movie, Kelsey Red Velvet from 2008. Okay. Story by Anthony Burns, screenplay by Anthony Burns and Joe Moe, directed by Bruce Dixon, starring Henry Thomas, Kelly Garner, and Kristen Coppen. What is Red Velvet about?
2: A writer is annoyed with his neighbor because his neighbor is always screaming and very loud and obnoxious. And to stop this behavior, he takes her out on a date because he thinks that if he can get her to be with him, then the madness will stop. Or is that what it's about?
0: (sighs) Listen, this movie was really fucking frustrating. Let me first tell you how it's available. It is available with a subscription to Showtime, Fubo, DirecTV, and Amazon Prime. You can rent it for $3 on Voodoo or $4 on iTunes or Amazon. You can buy it for $10 on those same three services. Should people watch Red Velvet?
2: No, guys, no.
0: Not even for the spectacle of it all. It is. It made me mad.
2: Yeah, it did. Look, I, I can tell you right now, it's not good, guys. It but is it, But it made Chris really mad. It is
0: terrible.
2: I was just sitting there like, oh, this is no good. But Chris was like, I can not see, having it.
0: I can see why they thought they were making a fun movie. But they are bad at writing. And they got a bunch of people who are bad at acting. And they're bad at making concepts. And it's like, oh, they thought they were doing something fun and silly. And look, no, it's it's it angered me how bad it was, and
2: the direction are terrible. I'm going to say that it is horrendously bad, and it makes me sad because we all know that that guy. I mean, look, he's not... Henry the, Thomas. He's not the most amazing actor, but we've Elliot. all... We all We've all seen E.T. We all know what he's capable of and what he was capable of as a child when given a director like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And then you put him in this movie yeah. with this director, and you're just like, I know he can do better. Yeah. The whole time, you know? And that's that's upsetting.
0: And then we see him from something 10 years later... Haunting of Hill House. Well, and he's fine. He's fine in that movie, or in that show. I, I Yeah, he's fine. I liked him in it. You know, you, you wouldn't say like, oh my God, he's incredible or anything like that, but he's fine. He's definitely better than this movie allows him to be. He's yes. the best thing in this movie.
2: In fact, there are times when, look, I'm not claiming to be fucking clairvoyant, but there are times when I'm like, ooh, I bet... The director told him very specifically to do that gesture, and he thought as an actor, that's stupid, Yes, but I'm going to do it because my director told me Mm -hmm. to, and boy, does everyone in the audience realize it. Yes.
0: This feels like a low-budget college film.
2: I mean, he must have been hard up for money. I can't imagine any other reason why you'd do he this. He wasn't
0: doing anything at this time. Yeah. You know, I think he was just a professional actor around this time, and he was in just a bunch of shit that nobody was paying attention to the fact that it was the kid from E.T., mm-hmm. you know? That's why when he came back for things like – this isn't the first thing he came back for, but when he came back for things like uh, Haunting of Hill House, you know, people were like, hey, it's the guy from E.T., you know? <laughs> It's because people weren't paying attention to these sorts of things that were coming out in the meantime. And, oh my God. You're just going to have to wait to hear us talk about it. I would highly recommend that you do not watch this movie. And don't do it to yourselves. It's not the room where it's hilariously bad. It's just infuriatingly bad.
2: Again, it didn't make me angry, but it's not good.
0: (laughs) You can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 2008's red velvet
1: all my life i've been dying to tell this story it burns inside my head yes there is a killer and yes people are going to die and all that's left is the who the how and the why.
2: hi i'm linda your upstairs neighbor what do you do?
1: I'm a storyteller. Come on, why don't you just tell me a story then? All right, I'll tell you a story. A young couple drives to a cabin in the mountains, but they had no idea what they were stepping into. Happy This is the best. Place. For
0: that is so sick.
1: Think about it, in a social situation, sex would be a time when couples separated from the herd, right?
2: It is so tired. Yeah, but it's hot, right? <laughs> oh, I like where you're going with this.
1: Now, help me design our perfect maniac.
2: That is really creepy.
1: So we're good to go? Yeah. That's the spirit.
2: You've got quite an imagination there.
1: Now, if you're lucky, you might make it into one of my stories. It's
2: just a story.
0: Kelsey, how does Red Velvet begin?
2: We start with a couple arguing. I don't know. A couple is arguing. I wrote down that the lights go out. And that a kid is upset, but I don't know what the fuck that means. I wrote down, is it day or is it night? Because it was very confusing. Uh And then we see the kid from E.T., Aaron, played by Henry Thomas, says, this has got to stop.
1: This has got to stop.
2: Then we'll see our main character, who is Linda, played by Kelly Garner. And she will come out of the apartment... And shout "Asshole" at the door. She very obviously has a big thing of laundry, and they really wanted to make it clear to you that this was heavy for her because they like make her stop, put it down, and then she like does something else, and then she picks it up, and it's
0: like the lid falls off, she has to pick up the lid, and then something she sets something down and then has to pick up that something and
2: like there's a lot of so actors have to do busy work. Okay, it's something It's something that's actually kind of hard to teach actors because it, it, people just don't consider, like, what real life is actually like right. when they're acting. 100%. And if you're told that, okay, you need to struggle with the laundry, here we have an example of what a kid might do who doesn't know how to do busy work well. She's
0: terrible with busy work. Mm-hmm. She's really bad. Mm-hmm. The best she does is when she's folding laundry. And even then, it's kind of like, ah. Yes. But like, there's, there's another time where she needs to like clean up in her apartment later on in the movie. And it's just, all I, I can see it in your face that you're just thinking about what you have to do next. Mm-hmm. And I can see it in your behavior that you're just prepping to do this thing that you do next. But your character hasn't made that decision yet. Yes. So why can I see it in you? And she's like this throughout the whole fucking movie.
2: Yes. Yes. Aaron ends up following Linda to the laundromat. Okay. Also, she's an asshole and just walks in and just lays down on the entire couch of this laundromat.
0: Yeah, There was yeah. nobody there at the time. It's a shitty thing to do. Yeah.
2: So he walks in and he... Okay, so the difference here is he want her. His character wants her to notice him. Yeah, his character wants her to say something to him. He wants
0: her to engage him.
2: So he will very much on purpose do certain things. Like he will be overly loud. He will ob-
0: and ugh.
2: He will yeah. obviously drop quarters. He will mm-hmm. throw his clothing into the into the laundromat. And that is because that's what his character is supposed to be doing.
0: Right. So we see his character making these decisions. Yes. Not Henry Thomas.
2: Yes. So she obviously does. She points out that he drops some quarters. And I actually think he does a, a decent job here of this is something that I tried to teach kids. And it's really difficult to do when you want your character to be lying, but also at the same time.
0: Communicate that you're lying yes. to the audience. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh.
2: And it is a hard thing to do. And I will give him that he does a decent job of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so let's not. – we're not going to go into the details of this entire conversation because it, it's annoying to have to do that. But these characters, these two characters, Aaron and Linda, are Awful. They're just awful. And he starts out by negging her a bunch and like not just negging her, but being an asshole to her because he thinks this is going to get her to engage with me. Make me seem unattainable like so. So she might be more interested and she'll engage with me and it works and she does. And it's just like 10 minutes of just them back and forth being dickheads to each other. It's not entertaining It was really fucking annoying. By the way, Linda, did I mention you're awfully nosy? I'm not
1: the one eavesdropping on people's apartments.
0: Uh, I don't exactly have to hold a glass
1: up against the wall to hear what's his name, the dumb fuck kicking your ass. His name is Kyle, and he doesn't kick my ass. Half the time you're probably hearing me throw shit. I tend to break things when I'm angry. Whoa. So, uh... Since we're prying into each other's personal lives, I gotta know what happened to your eye. Why? Just curious.
0: I mean, I've only known you for a wash cycle, and I already want to punch you in the face. (laughs) And then they go get lunch together. What? Why would you even talk to this awful human being?
2: He very obviously, I mean, like, not, not like obviously, like he actually does. He tells her... I'm going to convince you to go on a lunch date with me because all the things I'm doing are exactly what you are attracted to. And he's absolutely correct. She she thrives on dramatic relationships. That is why she's with her boyfriend, who all they ever do is fight.
0: Yeah. I wrote down here, what is this script? Are these jokes? Is this banter supposed to be cute, endearing, clever? It is none of these things.
2: Yeah, I wrote down, what is this dialogue? What are these fake-ass characters? And then I wrote down, oh, I get it. This was originally supposed to be a play.
0: I thought the same thing. This was I thought definitely the same exact thing.
2: Written to be a play, originally. And if the writer didn't realize that, then they need to realize that about their writing.
0: Well, this just reeks of... A writer who thinks they're clever, but doesn't actually have any skill. To, who to thinks the things that they have, the, the words that they have to put in their character's mouth are funny, that think that they're the next Quentin Tarantino, and they're absolutely not.
2: Yes, and it doesn't, it doesn't help. Okay, so first of all, yes, Chris is absolutely right. The script is awful. But then on top of that... You also need a good director to make these kinds of, like, so Chris just mentioned Tarantino. The reason he mentioned that is because there are several conversations here where they've got really quick one-liners back to each other. Uh With Tarantino, everything is snappy. Everything is fast. Everything is quick. Well, you need a director who knows how to direct that. This director did not know how to do that, and it was amazing to me that they took this conversation, which was obviously supposed to be a snappy fast back and forth quippy relationship and they made it slow i was just like i can't i can't wrap my mind around this you don't even know how to film this properly i think
0: the thing that's the most remarkable to me and i hate to just i feel like i'll harp on this just a little bit more and let it go but kelly garner who plays linda is terrible in this movie like just awful and then we look at her, the list of things she's been in. How did she get any of these roles?
2: I knew her from Lars in The Real Lars Girl. Lars The Real and Girl, yeah. And what's yeah. the other one I saw that I was like, oh, she's in that too. Horns. Horns. Okay, so. She's in The
0: Aviator. Is she? Yes.
2: Oh my God, is who? It
0: says Faith Domergy. Domer- Maybe
2: she's his girlfriend that he has. The little 18-year-old girl that he gets.
0: She was in Pan Am, the TV series, when that was on. Like, Jesus.
2: Look, I I don't remember her from Horns. I think she's a bit part in that movie, but I do remember her from Liars and the Real Girl. And she's just supposed to be kind of a quiet, quirky girl like he is. He's a quiet, quirky guy. So I think she does fine in that role because Mm. it doesn't take a lot.
0: But when she's supposed to be like, caustic and clever oh it's no good sexy or whatever like she's just not
2: yes so they go to lunch do you want to tell the story of how he gets
0: the waitress Uh, so they're not being seen by this waitress oh by the way i also wrote here by the time they go to dinner and then you just realize oh it's all just going to continue on in a new location now yes oh hooray
2: Uh, Okay, so earlier I mentioned, and Chris said it too, that this seems very much like a play. If you were wondering what the heck we mean by that, we just mean that plays obviously have to thrive on dialogue. So plays often will do so much work with the dialogue Uh that like, you might might watch a play and be like, oh, they didn't even need scenery, right? right? And And there are
0: plays that do that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: there are plays that do that because
0: it's... It's sort of like black box.
2: The the acting between acting on stage and acting in a film are two very different things. Yeah, and so when a when a script relies solely on the on the dialogue, it feels like a play.
0: Yeah, and you know what ends up happening is when you just you just decided, oh, I'm going to write a clever conversation, and that's all you're actually worried about. What ends up happening is then you build the rest of the scene around them, and it's like, oh, I guess they're in the laundromat. And you just do laundromat things while you're there. Yeah. Oh, and now they're sitting across from each other at a restaurant. Like, if I was to say, I have great dialogue here of just two people bantering back and forth, where should I put it? I don't know. In a cafe? Like, this is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. But anyway, now they're talking about how the waitress won't serve them, hasn't even acknowledged that they're even there. But now that we're in a second location, I wrote down... I would have turned off this movie by now. If we weren't watching it for the show, I would have turned it off. Yes. And I do not do that often. Yeah. It's very, very rare.
2: It's really bad,
0: guys. But I was like, uh, oh, I guess I got to watch it for the show. Um,
2: I just kept hoping. I mean, I don't even know if I would put hoping as my word. I I just kept believing that they were going to do a twist. Yes. There is no twist in this movie, guys. This is exactly... I mean, like...
0: There's a twist, but it's the one you think is going to happen.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't call it a twist because you knew it was going to happen from the get-go. The man is wearing a white jumpsuit. He's upset because he can't get any work done. You know this is a horror movie.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, he's talking about how it's stain-resistant.
2: Yeah. Like, and you keep... You keep thinking... It's going to end up being her.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, maybe she's, or maybe this is that thing that Kelsey really wanted that we got in. Holidays. Holidays, where. They're
2: both serial killers. Two serial
0: killers on a blind date, you know? Oh, you thought maybe that was going to be the. T- nope. 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 We're just seeing him hunt her. Yes. In the most. awful. Way. way. In the yeah. most
2: boring way. Really. Possible.
0: So the waitress won't serve them, like not even acknowledging that they're there. And he's like, oh, watch this. I'll do it. And she's like, what do you got, magic? And he's like, yeah, I do. And then he, like, does something with his...
2: Puts his hand on his back. And what I thought was, was he was signaling to the waitress, "Uh uh-oh, I'm bored, I'm heading out.
1: Yeah.
0: That uh, is
2: not what he does.
0: But, no, even this isn't that clear. So he puts his hand behind his back. She turns around and immediately comes over and takes their order. And she's like, wow, that's really impressive. And as the waitress is walking away, he reaches back again and puts a giant cockroach. They're showing you what
2: he did earlier. They're oh, showing you okay. what he did the first time.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, but like... They didn't make that clear. It looked like that as she's walking away, her walking away from that table and her walking by him to grab that cockroach off of him was... The the Kuleshov effect was telling me that this thing followed the other thing and... There was nothing about it that was telling me that, oh, no, this is a flashback to what he did. I was two like, seconds
2: ago. This it's is so a flashback weird. from two seconds yeah. ago.
0: <laughs> what he did is he put a cockroach on his back and she took it off of him and smashed it before they could, quote unquote, see it. She was hoping, you know, he wouldn't notice. But, it. Uh, okay, whatever. So then they get into this, the premise, the context for this whole movie being told is that they talk about how... He, What he does for a living is he is a writer, and he tells stories, and she's like, oh, tell me a story. He finds out that she was supposed to go to a cabin for a birthday party this weekend, and her boyfriend wanted to stay home and watch the game, but was also unwilling to drive her up there.
2: Yeah, they only have, like, one car or something like that.
0: Or her car's a piece of shit.
2: Oh, yeah, her car doesn't work well, so the only way she could have gone was if he took her... Or something. Yeah, and so
0: he wanted to stay home for the game, and so she was stuck staying home, and she couldn't go to this party with her friends, and she was upset about that. And so he decides that the story he's going to tell is a story where she can vent her frustrations at everyone, including all those people having fun without her who haven't even called her, and it's going to be a killer story. But before...
2: Right, and that's supposed to make her feel better because... It's like, oh, you can't be up there partying. Well, I'll just tell you a story that'll make it look like they all got murdered. And won't it be nice that you didn't go?
0: And if you're thinking, oh, he's telling the story of what he already did. And we're just seeing that it's going to be revealed at the end that this is all stuff that he actually did. And it wasn't just a story. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what happens. It's incredibly uninventive.
2: Yes. Like to the point of just like, it's (laughs) it's like when I saw that happening the first time. I was like, it can't be the plants. It just can't be. Like, it's fucking, what's his
0: name? Right.
2: It can't be the plants.
0: That's why we were hoping that she would actually be the killer. Right. It might be a little lame, but at least it'd be somewhat Something. inventive. Yeah.
2: But it's not. But also you forgot about the first story he tells her.
0: About the weird mom. Oh, yeah, which I guess is actually a story of him as a kid. Yes. Which is not also not clear, because... Right. Yeah, anyway, it's this little boy and the dad and the sister sitting at the table while the mom's going crazy in the kitchen, brings out food and yells at him for staining the table because she pours the spaghetti sauce, the tomato sauce, on his his plate and it drops on the table and she blames it on him. It's
2: his fault that she had to serve him. Yeah. So she's just supposed to be this crazy mother and it's really fucking offensive because they make her unattractive and they yeah. give her a lazy eye. Yeah. And they will use that lazy eye for her hor- hor- horrific effect. And yeah. I'm just like, what is this? The twenties right. when we're using people with physical disabilities to scare people. Yep. What in the fuck?
0: Yeah. And so the father tries to defuse the situation and just like, just guys, just let it go. Let her be crazy. And then if she tries to do anything, I'll stop her. He
2: does. He stops her from hurting her son.
0: Yeah. And then at night, the dad decides this needs to stop, and he smothers her with the pillow. And while she's struggling against it, and he's having trouble smothering her with this pillow, all of a sudden, you see come into frame, which is a little interesting, the sister's hands and covers the pillow and helps hold it down. And then the son's hands come into frame and help hold it down. So the three of them help kill the mom to save themselves from her insanity, I guess.
2: But when she dies, her lazy eye rolls over and looks at the kid. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. And then they look at him. And then that's the end of the story.
2: We also get a bullshit story. Like, literally, guys, so much of this is just filler. So much of yeah. this is, hey, we need more time. This should
0: have been a short. Yes, it should And it should could have. have been a fun short.
2: Yes, but it's not. No. And we get this bullshit story about how... Linda is a ninja and kills the lady that works inside the restaurant and then she tells her when her head lands on the food, needs more
0: fish in, sauce. In the walk, yeah. And uh-huh. you're
2: just sitting there like, I just saw a scene that has zero- it
0: Is incredibly pointless has, and- That
2: has zero effect on anything.
0: I think I think the movie thinks it's kind of avant-garde. Oh. And it it's is not. wrong. <laughs> it's not. So the actual story he's going to tell is the story of all of her friends up at this cabin in Big Bear. And they're all going to get killed by a murderer. So they help design the killer together. It's going to be wearing the white jumpsuit, just like Aaron's wearing. It has a pink tool belt.
2: Did this scene remind you of another movie, honey?
0: It reminded me a little bit of... Creepshow, because every time you see the killer's face, and he has a Polaroid camera strapped to his head, so he takes photographs of his victims when he kills them, every time they do that, they put this like flat background behind him with this weird design, and then it's lit in a way that makes it feel like all those shots in Creepshow of terror, like oh, and then they put like the weird background behind them, right? That's what it felt like. But you're thinking of something else specifically, so what do you think? I'm thinking
2: of Crywolf. When they Oh, yeah, when they
0: designed the killer. The
2: killer together. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: Cry Wolf came out three years prior to this.
2: Yeah, yeah. It definitely felt like that scene. However, I will give the movie this. This is probably the only thing I genuinely kind of liked, was exactly what you were just describing. All oh, it's interesting. Parts, all the parts with the murderer that they create- are actually
0: it's the best parts of the movie,
2: kind of interesting, yeah, uh-huh. kind of weird and like fun, yeah. But they're they're very fun, short.
0: Fun, I think, is a good descriptor. Yeah,
2: they're very short scenes because most of the film is just these two people just being, being assholes. assholes
0: to each other. Yes, strangers. Who only know each other because they live in the same building, but otherwise haven't been introduced to each other. That both ostensibly seem to be disgusted by each other, but still go out to have dinner together, yes. or lunch together, or whatever. And then they go from there to outside in the garden to ha- to share beers, like yes. a pointless scene change because they yes. couldn't just sit in the same location the whole time. Yes.
2: Now, once we get into the story of what is happening to the, the friends at the house at the lake, this is when I wrote to him, what is this costume design? And I realized there wasn't a costume designer. Somebody went to a fucking thrift store and bought some shit. You know who does that? Middle school directors. You know how <laughs> I know? Because I do that. Yep. Oh, my God. There what is your is, budget?
0: There is a costume designer. There are like 10 people listed in the makeup department.
2: Lord. There's a scene where they are dancing around in one room. Okay. Okay. They want to make it clear that these people are having a good time. Oh, I understand yeah. that. We have seen so many movies that do this. So many. And
0: it's, it's, a, it's really obnoxious. <laughs>
2: You want to know what movie I immediately thought of?
0: Huh?
2: Dismembering Christmas. You want to know why I thought about Dismembering Christmas? Yes. Because Dismembering Christmas is not a good movie. Right. But the one thing it has going for it is its ingenuity. And there is a long scene, I don't know if you remember this, where they are running around having a party scene.
0: Oh, yes, yes. And it's all this... This really elaborate oneer that is is actually a really cleverly done. Like so, if nothing else, the movie does that really well. And it and it's the camera stays on and it just moves from location to location. And behind the camera, they're setting up the time shift that's going to happen. And then when the camera pans over to that area, time has passed. And it's very interesting and it's very well done. And other movies have done it, but this movie surprisingly did it well. Dismembering Christmas. This has a similar sort of oh, we're partying and having fun, but it's obvious that they're just like they're, they that there was no planning. It was a, just like there's zero have planning. Fun, have fun, just act like you guys have known each other for a while and you're goofing off and we'll record it.
2: They ju- they run around a couch several times. Uh-huh. That is all they do. Like when I see a movie like Dismembering Christmas. Uh-huh. That had no budget, that had only people who clearly like film yeah. but don't have a lot of talent. At the very least, they tried, and they sat down and they thought, we don't want this to be a bullshit scene. Let's plan this out. Right. Let's figure out what we're going to do. There was none here.
0: Uh-huh. They didn't plan it out at all.
2: And that is frustrating. Like- if you don't, I've said this a billion times, if you don't care about your movie, why should I? So I tell my students, I tell my students, you look bored on stage right now. If you're bored, why shouldn't the audience be bored?
0: <laughs> whoppa! What's whoppa? <laughs> you know, whipped.
2: Whoppa! <laughs> anyway... <laughs> there's a scene. Okay, so after they have their little party, they decide to go to the lake. And there's this long ass scene of them walking to the lake, and I wrote down, "Where is this lake? What is
0: this tile? They they, lock, they they walk down this long hill in the forest where the ground is is littered with leaves, so it's got to be like autumn and I wrote, I actually have this note here. This director is really proud of this one-er walk to the lake because it's just one long take, but nothing happens. We're just watching them walk to this lake.
2: Where is this lake? Mm -hmm. What is this dialogue? What are these movement choices? What is this conversation? And then, in all caps, get to the fucking lake. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, is this movie just stuffed with filler?
0: Yep. So uh, How it's, do you want to handle this?
2: Okay. We'll we will start to see some people getting picked off. One will forget his boombox. I'm sorry, what year was this uh-huh. made?
0: Uh, well, he has it's 2008. It's 2008, so the iPhone had just come out the year prior. Like not everyone has all their music on their phone.
2: Anyway, and we will start to get some kills. And like I said, guys, these are the shining moments for the film. And they're not that great. But what I will say about him, about this mur- murderer that they created, as Chris was describing, it does have that fun comic book feel when he's uh-huh. on stage. Which I think was meant to make the audience think that
0: it didn't happen. Or that, well, it feels more like the story that he's telling.
2: But I will say this. At one point... Aaron will tell us about how he killed some people and like all these people are just having sex, lots and lots of sex. And I kind of liked that the girl stops him and it's just like, great story and all. But just so you know, that guy's
0: gay. I didn't like it.
2: And then we get a reversed story. I mean, we get, we get. He goes back, and he's like, okay, I'll change the story for you then. And he changes it. What I liked about it is that it was kind of a, hey, horror movies, do we always need to see girls running around naked having sex? No, we don't need that. What I
0: didn't like, though, is the whole, like, you know, she gets to win an argument because the writer wrote her as winning this argument. She describes this guy, he's got tattoos, and he's got long hair, and da-da-da-da-da. And so he... Starts telling a story with this character, and then he has sex with this girl, and she goes, ha, you just made an assumption. Turns out he's gay. Like, it was, well, yeah, because the writer says so. You know what I mean? Like, it, it that's a bad way to win an argument.
2: <laughs> I honestly, I didn't mind it. I thought it was fun, and I really loved they used the same actor. Yes. I loved that. Yes. He went from being big, masculine, macho dude who has all the chicks to being totally effeminate, gay,
0: uh-huh and I love that. And there is a gay scene,
2: right, with him later. And I kind of fucking love that this time around, the murderer feels the need. It was kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. He, before he kills the guy, he says, "I really hope you don't think this has anything to do with your lifestyle choices. I promise you, I don't care."
1: Don't think this is happening because of your lifestyle. I wish I could feel one. I wish I could feel
0: anything. Yeah. In
2: fact, I wish I cared about anything. Yeah.
0: I, 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 I liked that! That was fun, yes. <laughs> but, so, the story is being told. These characters are being picked off one by one. Oh, we should probably mention also that her sister is part of this group, and she loves her sister very much, and wants her sister to survive this story. Anyway, they're running out of time. They gotta go back home. So he takes her home, in the real world.
2: Oh, and we didn't mention that part of the story... Was that her boyfriend died.
0: Yes. So she, he takes her home. He goes up in the elevator with her, which is weird because he's on the floor beneath her. They don't really make you understand this layout very well. She goes in and then she sees that her boyfriend isn't even fucking there. And the whole place is a mess. And she's really upset by that. We couldn't go because he had to stay home and watch the game. And now he just bailed. What the fuck? So she's really angry. So she knocks on Aaron's door again and tells him about this. And he says, well, how about I just take you out there? I'm not doing anything. And then I can finish the story.
2: There's something else I'd like to point out here. Earlier, Chris very briefly mentioned that she specifically says, I want him to wear a pink tool belt. Yes. When she goes into her house, because after he tells her, okay, I'll take you. Fuck it. I'll take you. She goes into her house and grabs some stuff. One of the things that she grabs is a pink hammer. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, guys, at this point in the film, you're thinking that it can't be him. It just can't be him. It would be too fucking obvious yeah. at this point. And
0: Wouldn't it so, be fun if the tables were turned? Right. When yeah. she
2: grabs the hammer, you're starting to think maybe there is no party. And that, uh-huh. in fact, she just wants to get him alone to murder him. Right. Because, like, as Chris said, as soon as this movie started, I was like, damn it. Damn it. Here's a full-blown movie that took that awesome story and, again, ruins it.
0: Yeah, but they nope, they don't do that. But the reason she's grabbing the hammer is to protect herself from him.
2: I don't even know that they make that clear. They don't
0: make it clear. In retrospect, it's something like, oh... Because she's grabbing her stuff from the closet and then she reaches in, almost absent-mindedly, grabs the hammer and is like, huh, I should bring this hammer. Like, not like, she doesn't shifty eyes, she doesn't look to the side like, you know what, I can't trust this guy, I should bring the hammer. None of that, it's just like, it'd be fun to bring a hammer. Right. Like, that's the way it's portrayed.
2: Yes. And also, there have been other little things that I thought were ramping up to the idea that she was the murderer. For example... Aaron specifically says to Linda at one point in their conversation, all I ever hear you guys guys do is fight. Uh-huh. Like I don't ever hear you guys having sex. And her response is, Well, when I get mad, I break shit, right? So I thought they were dropping in hints of, of course you never hear them having sex. These are not her boyfriend. These are random
0: men that uh-huh. she takes home and, and murders. And hearing is her murdering them. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: That's what I thought it was leading to, but it's not. it's not.
0: So they go and they drive up to the cabin and he finishes the story. The character kills off more people, but the sister gets away?
2: Well, she specifically told him, don't you dare yeah. kill my my sister. He said, I promise I won't. He didn't make that promise before, but he's already murdered everybody. Yeah what also how did he know about the party they don't say no they most certainly do well, i guess not. we have
0: to assume that she was yelling about it in an argument that she had with her boyfriend
2: good thing this guy but has does she excellent ye- hearing well and
0: does she yell the address
2: exactly it is it There's is more a, than
0: one cabin in big bear <laughs> it is so
2: much bullshit like i mean something happens He makes it look like, okay, when they get there, there's nothing going on. There are no people, there's no sound, and she's like, this is weird.
0: Oh, we should probably mention this movie's called Red Velvet because in the story, there is a red velvet birthday, there's a red velvet birthday cake that they have because it's a birthday party. That's the only reason it's called Red Velvet.
2: I think the original title was The Birthday. Ah, okay. But I think they probably realized that's way too generic of a name.
0: You should see. Not
2: that anyone wants to see this movie anyway. You
0: should see the poster for this movie. It's Linda. Oh, I've seen it. Underneath a sheet of red velvet and her arms are poking out and she's holding a pink hammer. I'm like, oh, that's provocative. That's really interesting. Has fucking nothing to do with this movie.
2: No. No. But so she's worried. So he's like, okay, I'll go check it. And, And she's like, well, I'm coming with you. He's like, no, I want you to stay here. So he goes in, and she waits a little while. She gets, like, annoyed, so she's just like, fuck this, and she goes inside, and it looks like... Okay, so she finds dead bodies, and it looks like Aaron is being held from behind by somebody, and somebody has, like... her sister. I don't know that they make it clear who it is. I thought they did. I I think the scene is a little fast, but it looks like his life is in danger, so she runs up, and she uses her hammer... And then realizes that she killed her sister, but... And he says, see, I promised you I wouldn't hurt her. But it also looks like she's all, she was already dead?
0: Like she was already pinned to the mantle or yeah. whatever? Yeah. Again, it's confusing. very unclear. Yes. And so, yes, it's revealed that he actually is the killer. He had already killed all these people and that his story was only semi-fake. And he ties her to a chair. And then at one point... Her boyfriend shows up and hits him and gets in, gets into a fight and knocks him out and then unties her. And it's like, oh, I, was, I knew you were great. You were actually a good boyfriend or whatever. But no, she's just hallucinating after she got knocked out by him.
2: Yes. And we realize that because when she opens the door, there's a bunch of coins. And then he starts to throw up coins because one of he tells her like three different st- three, three different stories of how her boyfriend died guys, because again, filler.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: one of those stories included, you know how you have those big water bottles filled with coins? One, like, winds yeah, up in his mouth. Yeah, falls into
0: his mouth. Yeah, uh-huh. So, yes, it's fake. She's just hallucinating because she's knocked out. And how does he ultimately finish the job?
2: I didn't write how he kills her, but he kills her, and he says, Dad would be so proud.
0: Dad would be so proud. But then... So there's, like, implications that... He's the little boy from the story with the mom?
2: Well, it becomes even clearer because then he hears his mother or he sees his mother say, it's always going to be you. And he says, I hope that doesn't stain mother or something. Who cares? Guys, this movie is garbage. Yeah. This movie is really bad. But yeah, it ends up being that that was his real story. That's why he's a murderer now.
0: Yeah. And so... When he's back home, he opens the closet and the boyfriend is hanging there in the closet and already dead. So he had killed him before he went to the laundromat to get her and start this whole interaction at the beginning of the movie. Just hung him in his closet. And then he's talking to this dead body and then the dead body moves, but it doesn't. He's just imagining it. And then he gets surprised and he... Oh oh, 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 like the private investigator in psycho falling down the stairs, except he's not falling down anything. He's just walking backwards. And then he's, oh, behind him is the window in his apartment. But wait a minute. Isn't he on the bottom floor of this apartment building?
2: But isn't he in their room in their apartment?
0: No, this is his apartment. Oh. And... But in but it doesn't matter because he doesn't fall through the glass anyway. He just lands against it somehow, supernaturally pinned against it as it's cracked and or like whatever. Almost,
2: it's almost like he's becoming part of the glass. Yeah, which I guess you could read into it if you really wanted to make it into a real metaphor. I guess you could say that he is nothing but glass, and if you if you were to even barely touch him, he'd break. I that's guess.
0: That's being extremely generous. Yes, it is. Like, extremely generous. It doesn't make any sense why he would have been scared by this body, because it has no impact on the actual story itself.
2: Well, no, it's because he sees his mom. He sees something about his mom. I yeah, wrote but down. it's the
0: body that moves that, that is what scares him. He might have seen his mom, but the body waking up. But then it turns out that, that the dude's not actually still alive. He is actually dead, so it was a hallucination anyway. And then he's just like pressed up against this glass, again, standing up. He's not leaning against it or anything. The glass hasn't broken. It hasn't completely shattered. And even if it did, he's on the bottom fucking floor. So what is this about? It's a metaphor. It's terrible. Yes.
2: Ugh. It's still a metaphor. I don't think you're supposed to take that literally.
0: So, Kelsey, no critical reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Not a big surprise. But there are just shy of 1,500 audience reviews.
2: What? Why? What? Who, do you, who has ever heard of this movie?
0: Apparently 1,500 people. Oh my god. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes audience score? 10. 49. Do you remember what, the what, audience what, gave what, Madhouse what? 24? What? 49.
2: Why? Oh, it doesn't give you a consensus. No. Oh my god. That is... That is sad.
0: I think that there is a subset of horror culture that is so entrenched in horror that anything that is remotely weird automatically gets kudos and automatically gets praise. Like, that has to be the case, right?
2: That's really bad. Like, you
0: can't love horror and... Dislike bad movies.
2: I can't believe Madhouse got a 24 and this has a 49.
0: Yep. Totally backwards. So, obviously, way overrated.
2: How? Madhouse, at the very least, had a twist that neither of us saw coming. Yeah.
0: And this movie... Was predictable through the whole entire thing, 100% predictable, that... You hated every single one of the characters. Oh there was not a single likable character in the entire fucking movie. It was obnoxious. It had a couple of things that were fun, which is why I will not be giving this movie a zero.
2: Right. I literally that gay scene is probably the only thing I can think of that like I'm like, oh, that was, was actually kinda funny. It was actually kinda clever. It was actually kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> like that's literally the only reason it's gonna get any points
0: out of me. I feel like that moment where, like, please don't think this is an indictment of your lifestyle, if that was just the movie and this wasn't in the context of a story being told and it was just like we just see this killer going around doing this stuff and and that it was a slasher movie in that vein, I might have liked this a whole lot more. Just take out Aaron, take out Linda entirely and make it about this killer who is interesting Mm -hmm. and funny.
2: Mm -hmm. But no.
0: So what would you rate it? 10. I think 10's pretty good. I was going to say, do I want to go fifty? No, no, 10's pretty good. I would say 10 as well. Please don't think this has anything to do with your lifestyle choice. I promise you I don't care.
2: I wish I cared about anything. (laughs) That's your 10% right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was funny and fun. This is just one of those movies where it's just some... It feels like some bored people that think they're more talented than they actually are. And a horror movie is the easiest one to make. I dare these people to make a comedy. I dare these people to make a drama. I dare these people to make a thriller. It's a little bit offensive to me that it seems that these people make horror because they think it's easy.
2: Um, I mean, horror and comedy kind of, they suffer from that. yeah. They really suffer. Because they absolutely do. It, it. You're absolutely right. These two genres, they have. I mean, comedy and horror. They have things that people see, and they're like, "That's why people like it." And uh-huh. then that they just shove it into their film. And I like, could do that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that's not at all why people liked that. Yeah,
0: I thought the killer was creative enough. The whole. Taking Polaroids, it was silly, it wasn't well, realistic, but in a way that, like, yeah, of course it's not realistic.
2: You know about peeping Tom, right?
0: Yes, where he kills people with taking the camera. Taking picture yeah, as he's killing
2: uh-huh. them. So yeah. that was not a creative, original idea.
0: I guess, that, but it's, like, built into his head, and the way that they do the cutaways whenever he takes those shots. Again, made me think of Creepshow. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, it's not absolutely devoid of charm, but it tried everything it could possibly try to make me hate it. And like I said, I would never have made it to the parts that we were like, that's that's fun. If we were just watching this on our own, we would have turned it off long before that point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's an indictment of us. I think it's an indictment of this movie. Yes. Pretty, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And it's upsetting that Madhouse, which is way better. Yes doesn't get nearly as much praise as, as this, this fucking piece of shit that,
2: that is absurd to me. I don't understand why anyone would have given this that high of a score.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of our first birthday week with 1981's Madhouse, which, awesome, I'm um, something good came out of my birthday week, and 2008's Red Velvet. Kelsey, what are we watching next week for your birthday?
2: might not be a much better week.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so next week we will be watching frogs. Yes. And Intrigued. My Super Psycho Sweet 16. Okay. Which intrigues me because I genuinely watched My su- my Super Sweet 16. Not because like oh I-, I wanted my sweet sixteen to be like that and oh I think these girls are awesome. No, it was funny. I- it's I ad- funny to
0: watch a train wreck like those shows. Yeah.
2: Yes, uh, I admit that sometimes. Yes, I watch reality TV. So it's weird. It's it's you know makes me feel better. Um, uh, but I haven't
0: I haven't done the research, but it uh, it it seemed to me like this was like a horror movie spinoff. Of a reality TV show. Yeah, MTV. It's so weird, because it is made by MTV, the people who make My Super Sweet 16, and if you want to find it anywhere, it's not under movies, it's under TV shows. They've made three of them, and they call them Seasons, and they're one-episode Seasons. (laughs) And so we're going to watch the first one.
2: Do you know who's in it?
0: I feel like I did when I looked this up.
2: The son from uh, The Leftovers.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be the lead guy. Okay. I'm intrigued. Really curious. If you what never this is watch be The
2: Leftovers, like. watch it.
0: Yes. We can't say that enough. <laughs> okay. So, Frogs and My Super Psycho Sweet 16. Yeah. Again, if you look for it, look for it in TV shows, not movies. We'll tell you next week when we watch it where you can find it. Until then, you can always reach us at our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at podcemetery. Email us, podcemetery at gmail.com. Follow us in your podcatcher of choice. Review us. Five-star written reviews are the biggest help there. Sharing us with your friends is an even bigger help. But the absolute best thing you can do is listen in the GD first place. Thank you all very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
2: I've been Kelsey. And
0: this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
2: Most people's nightmares end when they wake up mine begin. Reagan? Reagan. Reagan? I mean, Goofy swallows the baby toy in a goofy movie. <laughs> that doesn't
0: count. <laughs> you know it.
2: I feel weird doing it even when I'm like in a limo and like that's part of the service that you're yeah. paying for. You've
0: been in a lot of limos, have you?
2: Oh. <laughs> I guess I do sound like a privileged asshole. I don't mean to. <laughs>
0: I'm just teasing you.
2: <laughs> and then we see the kid from E.T. What is his actual name?
0: Elliot. No, Henry Thomas.
2: What's his name in the movie? Aaron. Aaron, played by Henry Thomas.
0: She, she, she...
2: What the fucking why?!